Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor for the Union Tribune. Jay, Padres, Cardinals, playoff atmosphere, uh, late September. This is awesome. It is. It's, it's, <laughs> we've only been waiting, what, 12 years for games like this? Games that people are at at Petco that matter in September. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you and I were there a couple of years ago, but it, it didn't have exactly that that playoff feel to it since nobody was there. And, um, yeah, it should be a lot different. I would expect a lot of Cardinal fans, uh, even more than usual, over the next three nights with, you know, probably the most popular Cardinals player since Stan Musial, maybe. Um Going, having a chance to hit his 700th home run here. And we should note San Diego has been a host to history previously. Um, Willie Mays hit number 600 at the old stadium off Mike Corkins many moons ago. And um, not so many moons ago, Barry Bonds hit number 700 off Clay Hensley uh, right, at, uh, right at Petco. So we'll see if that happens again. You know, Pujols needs two homers over the next three days. I, I have not looked close enough to see... I don't think he's been playing every day, uh, but I'm sure they'll find a place for him. If he doesn't start one of the games, you would think that they would find a spot for him to pinch hit uh, at some point. But it should be fun. A lot of a lot of pressure on the Padres. Um, not too much pressure on the Cardinals. They are uh, about to clinch. Can't clinch this week, or at least while they're here. But uh, they're pretty close to clinching the Central, and it could be a playoff preview depending on how things work with the wild card. Lot to unpack there. Holy smokes. Blake Snell, is, uh, who is a lefty, starts tomorrow, and yeah. you would expect that Pujols would be in there. He has been starting more against righties, but I, I have no idea. He actually started more than I thought. Love. Yeah, and they have an, they had an off day yesterday, mm-hmm. um, so uh, it would make it would make a lot of sense that he'd be in there tonight, but who, who knows what the thinking is. They're certainly facing a guy who's been – Way too familiar with home runs lately. Yeah. Um, Mike Clevenger has really, uh, you know, has, has sort of joined Sean Mania on the uh, how many home runs can we allow list, and it's uh, you, so there's there's that that they could weigh in uh, as well. And um, I don't know. It seems fitting with Adam Wainwright pitching for the Cardinals that you know Yadi Molina. I saw you just tweeted that Yadi Molina and Pujols are going to be honored before the game. I mean, why? Why not have all the old guys play tonight? So I, I would hope that that would uh, that that would be the case. Wainwright, that's who I thought you were gonna you would, were starting to refer to there instead of Clevenger uh, in terms of who they were facing. The Padres facing Adam Wainwright tonight, forty one years old. Like I'm just I'm just in awe. I just absolutely love to watch him pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand like Max Scherzer, Jacob Degrom, Garrett Cole, like um, you know. But in sort of the same vein of watching you Darvish pitch, where it's like artistry, except with like Wainwright, it's like curveball, 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 <laughs> and it keeps working. Uh, it's amazing. He threw a complete game uh, last month, and the next week, I or this next start, I believe it was seven shutout. Now he's only gone five in each of his last three. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and I guess he's not retiring since there's, you know, hasn't been talk about that. So, yeah. And I, and I wouldn't think that he would get stretched out or anything at this point. I mean, with the playoffs coming and everything, they're not going to sort of quote unquote waste, waste innings, but it's a little like uh, Kershaw last night. If you watch any of that same, same thing, watching an artist, uh, at work with, with the curveball. I, I saw ones like 71 mile an hour curveball. And I think Wainwright has thrown more than more than a few this year under uh, 70 miles an hour. So should be uh, 
should be fun. And, and all three games should be fun. Always a good atmosphere when the Cardinals are in town. And, and you know, look, the, these games are really, really, really important to the Padres, who have moved into fifth in the wild card now and have, what, a, a three-game cushion on the Brewers if you factor in the loss, the all-important loss column, um, plus the tiebreaker, I guess. So looking better, but not going to be easy this week. Three games with the Cardinals and then three at uh, – at their personal horror show at Coors Field. Yeah, and um, the Cardinals. Like, this is this is the atmosphere, minus the name I'm about to say. But do you remember how much we talked about in 2020, like when Fernando Tatis Jr. would hit one of those home runs, right? Like, it was just – it was an exciting team. It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we would talk about, man, if fans were there. Well right. – this is, I mean, we've seen a lot of it this year. Kudos to Padres fans. We've seen a lot of it this year, but this is that type of game, right? Of course, minus Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, yeah. I'm a little disappointed, and this isn't anything to do with Padres fans. I, I mean, I, I could not have really praised them more this year, and I think it has been fantastic. Like, it's a little disappointing. There's going to be so many Cardinals fans there tonight. Like, they yeah. show up. Um, I mean, as we all know, the best baseball fans in the world. It's the best baseball everything in the world in St. Louis. But it's like, oh, man, it's going to be like kind of like a Dodgers game where it's like a playoff atmosphere, but it is like so – there's a lot of red. And, the, you know, it's the contrasting colors now too. So you yeah. absolutely yeah. hear it. But it's it, – look, that's just my own personal aside that I would – it's a little bit of a bummer to me, but that's just the way it is. We live in San Diego. You guys don't go to St. Louis in those numbers because St. Louis <laughs> kind of sucks. Um, well, so, and those and those people live here. You know, it's like, yes. it's not just traveling. I mean, there it are is. a lot of people Absolutely. from the Midwest. The you don't move to St. Louis, right? Unless you have to, right? right? Like have someone a very wide, you exactly, <laughs> exactly. The Cardinals have a very wide region that they you don't go from. to the and Navy lot, in St. Louis. Yeah, right. a lot of those people, a lot of those people live out here. And they go to games. And I, I would have thought that, you know, maybe the attendance might have been down a little bit this week because the Cardinals kind of wrap things up. But whatever disinterest there might have been will be ex way exceeded by the fact that Pujols is so close to, uh, you know, to making history. And, yeah, it's just a round number, but that's a pretty big round number. And I Cardinal fans will want to be here. On these stats. Like to see that the, happen. The stat, no matter what, yeah. right? We get into all these other things. The home run is still the thing. There is yeah. not like a – there are not Twitter accounts dedicated to weighted runs created plus. <laughs> there, there, there are multiple, uh, you know, highlights and, and stat uh, accounts dedicated to home runs. This is, this is it. It's exciting. Yeah. And I don't care who you're rooting for, I guess – Provided that it's not like the winning run uh, or the go-ahead run for yeah. uh, the for the Cardinals, you should uh, appreciate the history. How have we made it almost eight minutes into a podcast with not talking about Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt? I mean, I was I was just about to say the other thing is the Cardinals are a fun team to watch, and golly. not not just we mentioned Pujols and Molina and Wainwright, but as you said, they have. At this point, probably the top two MVP finishers, if if that could be the case, if you could have two guys on the same team uh, that are so valuable. But, um, you know, those two along with Machado and probably Pete Alonso and a couple other guys I'm sure I'm forgetting. But they've been amazing. I mean, I, I know Arenado made an inc another incredible play the other night that I remember sharing with you. And, you know, and Goldschmidt's been phenomenal all season. Uh, Tommy Edmond, uh, the kid from uh, from San Diego, is, has Very been really good. 
uh, another another good player, fun to watch. So yeah, I mean these are these are fun games and and with a lot on the line. And you know, I, I think it should be uh, it should be interesting over the over the three days. And uh, uh, as we said, the, the the Padres need to win more than the Cardinals do. Uh, and and let's let's go back. Let's go on to the Padres now, Kevin. The the, the season apparently, which was which was over on Thursday night uh, with, with the rock bottom loss to Dre Jameson uh, and the Diamondbacks. And all of a sudden, you know, one meeting, even though they've had other meetings before, uh, but one meeting on Friday and three more games with the Diamondbacks. And I think it was 20 to four over the weekend. And Hey, how'd you fix it all, Kevin? You were there. <laughs> well, listen, as long as the players believe that 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 they're meeting and that showing up for the national anthem and and all right. that. And by the way, if you don't pay attention, it does not mean the Padres have been unpatriotic. Players are still doing a lot to get ready for games when I mean, sometimes the national anthem's 20 minutes before first pitch in some ballparks, uh, 10 minutes before first pitch. And it's like mm-hmm. they have a long season and a long game ahead of them. And guess what? They listen to 190 uh, national anthems. And and so it's don't don't read too much into that. Uh, but but the fact that they've all been out there and they're ready to go from the start. And if, if, if that's what they believe, then, hey, more power to them, because uh, as you pointed out, and it not only have they had meetings before this season, last year after getting no hit in August, August by what was his name Tyler Gilbert Um, they had a meeting and the next day they won and then they lost eight of nine that was actually at Arizona that's what popped into my head uh, when I found out they had a meeting uh, after Thursday it was Friday that they had it now now here's the thing should he have done it before okay fine well Bob Melvin I think we'll go ahead and trust that he has feel for his team and he was angry and he called them out privately and he called them out publicly. And that's a huge deal. He has worked really hard to not do that this year at certain times. Um, And one of the things that, um, that stood out to me is all year, this poor guy, and I always have compassion for managers that have to talk 300 times a year um, and, and not counting spring training and their team is stinking. Right. And there's things that they've been talked, they've been uh, coached up on and they're not doing and, and, we asked the manager about it, right? Because that's what you have to do. Now you're going to go in and you're going to ask the players about it. Mm-hmm. But Bob Melvin, a lot of times has been asked like, what's going on with the offense? And and he's maybe made like really calm, you know, kind of offhanded comments like, well, you know, you're, you know, after explaining from his perspective and his coach's perspective, um, you know, maybe, you know, ask the players. Right. And I'm telling you that on, um, on Thursday night and, and Bob Melvin was like this the whole time, kind of like, you know, he's trying to keep it in. And, and he was like, I guess you'll have to ask them. And it was, okay. I mean, you know, Bob was mad. I'll tell you from my personal perspective, like I am so reluctant to, to, um, to get on teams uh, or, or assess that they were uh, flat. They were, and Bob Melvin knew it, and he, and, he, uh, and he wasn't afraid to say it. And I do think, Jay, like if, if uh, Zach Gallen was pitching the, the next night, right, not Madison Bumgarner, Yep. Things could have turned out differently. Yeah, no, they did I the mean, next we, night do what they needed to do against Zach Gallon. So no, they did, and and it, it helped that that I, was that Musgrove's game. Um, yes, that that Absolutely. night that, that Musgrove pitched fantastic in that uh, in that game, and and you and I talked about this on Friday about about Melvin being angry and should mm-hmm. he have done it before, and and I think you know, and you made the point that you can't be that guy that 
a lot of people on the outside want you to be the the Billy Martin type. You know, you can't to bring to bring back a guy from the past of who I can think of with hot temper and everything. You can't be a guy to blow up all the time, uh, especially now, and expect anybody to give you any credibility whatsoever. So, did Melvin wait a little too long? Look, who knows? He could have he could have done that two weeks earlier, and maybe it wouldn't have worked. Maybe you know that's it's that old uh, it's Thank that you. old attitude. Who yep. knows? So, um, hey, you know, I, I, I don't agree with everything that Melvin's done this year from a strategic standpoint and but how he manages personalities and players and all that kind of stuff who are we to have any idea what it's like to have to manage a group of you know 30 I don't even want to say 26 guys or 28 guys because it's more like 35 to 40 guys the way they've been you know shuffling guys in and out and everything you know none of us know what that's like um to, to manage a group like that and and Melvin's been around a long time and managed a lot of groups and I I think in that sense you have to trust him. And obviously he knew when things had reached a point that was like, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. And now it's time. And we'll see, you know, for three days, it worked great uh, against against the Diamondbacks team that, yeah, they're not very good, but they have been playing pretty well. Now they're playing a team that is good, really good, and has been playing really well for most of the second half of the season. Uh, the Cardinals are five and a half games better than the Padres as I look at the standings um, right now. That's So that's the, the difference I, in the team. But I the run differential is huge. It's 100 and uh, almost 100. So yes. they, the Cardinals are a very, very good team. The Padres, I believe, went 7-0 and against the Reds this year. Yeah, that sounds Padres right. went had a winning <laughs> record against the Pirates, um, a winning record against the Brewers. Yep. And what's the other slappy team that's over there in that division? The, the, the Cubs. Okay, the Padres went. Was it six and two against the Cubs? Some, five yeah. and two. Five and two. In other words, I I think you're saying that if the Padres were in the NL Central, maybe they'd be a little bit different. It goes back to why do people move here? Okay, I mean, like <laughs> like you look at the live in San Diego. You have to be in the same division as the as the Dodgers, the Giants. Oh. And let me tell you something. Now look, they should they did exactly what they should have done against the Diamondbacks. But that was some good pitching they faced. Uh, two, two of the, and you could argue two, three of the days. Anyway, um, and and not just publicly, but like in just in conversation with uh, Padres people, they're super impressed with the Diamondbacks and and the way that they're playing and they're pitching. So it's a decent team. Um, you know, the Rockies don't have to go to Coors Field all the time. Look, 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 look. The Padres should be better than they've been, but you know. The NL Central yeah. is the NL Central, so whatever. No, that's very uh, it's very true. I mean, three of those teams this year are really, really bad. Um, and, you know, we've, we're familiar with the Brewers as well and where they are with the with the chase of I wanna, the Padres. So. I want to talk about Bob Melvin a little bit. Let me tell you something. As a 52-year-old guy, and Bob is 60, all right, I know I'm going to sound super old, okay, but this world is changing at a faster pace than ever before. And think about Bob Melvin played in the 80s. Bob Melvin played for Sparky freaking Anderson. Bob <laughs> Melvin played for Roger Craig, all right? Uh, he began managing – he was a bench coach for the 2001 Diamondbacks, right? Like he began managing in 2002. Right. We've been through some generations, okay? And these guys are different. Bob Melvin, a 60-year-old man, pulling the strings on 20-somethings and 30-somethings in 2022 is absolutely amazing. Because these guys are different. I covered baseball in the 90s, went to cover the NFL, came back, and it is a different 
set. It is a different psychology. It's a different way to handle guys. A different. I mean, it's it's incredible. And so, if you're going to second guess the way Bob Melvin uh, is handling these guys, then I think you probably better have been a leader during the '90s, and then during the thousands, and the tens, right. and now the twenties, because it's it's amazing what he's doing. Well, if Bob if Bob worked with Sparky, then <clears throat> then now I know why he's always fair with writers because anybody who listened to Jim Healy knows that Sparky was always fair with writers. So there, there is, there is that. And I know, I mean, look, I think we only have like one 30 something guy on the, uh, on our staff who you work closely with as well. And I mean, look what that's like having to work with Jeff Sanders all the time and try oh, to figure geez, out what, 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 a... what Jeff, what Jeff is thinking. So oh, I, I can geez. only imagine Jeff's what, old Bob, school. Is, Jeff's what old Bob is school. doing. It. And you have, you know, you have a couple of, of kids in their twenties. Uh, so, you know, what, uh, you know what that's like as uh, as well and that's just two of them and you and you don't even see them all the time so. <laughs> and here's the other thing um, about this turning over tables and stuff and bob melvin used to do that early in his career because he thought that's what you were supposed to do speaking of who he learned from and, and all that right, right. Well, first off back then they brought in pizza from felipe's okay uh and now it's you know, and now it's sushi all right uh and so you're not going to flip over the table okay uh but the other thing is, like, I covered a guy who was highly effective for most of the parts of an NFL season, and and Marty Schottenheimer. But it got to the point where the players were rolling their eyes because you right. did it over and over and over. So that's just my last thing on, you're right, hey, we've increasingly uh, seen some patterns with Bob Melvin, increasingly asked some questions about why that would be happening, like we would have any manager, like we would with any winning team. But I, I mean, in terms of how he's handled this team, I do think that it has been highly effective. And and so I just wanted to give some perspective on that. Um, yeah, that's, that's my take there, Jay. I was going to say, have we, are we seeing now Juan Soto? And I was also going to bring up Jose Ozokar. Mm. Is that, how how permanent is that move over the last over the next two weeks as we as we head down the stretch? Is it sort of as long as he keeps hitting and and playing okay, he's going to be the guy? I think um, we're going to see him against right-handers, so I think we're going to see him a lot. I I, uh-huh. I, I you know um, what was it nine times that he'd faced them? He had not started against a righty since coming back on August twentieth, mm-hmm. but he had faced them. He'd stayed in games to do it and done pretty well. The guy's playing a really nice center field. He is I, I this is the kind of guy that a manager wants to reward. In addition to Trent Grisham struggling, this right. is a guy where you're saying, you keep playing like this, you're still gonna be in the lineup. Uh and and you know, I think I read the tea leaves on this correctly that it was coming. Uh mm-hmm. and and yeah, I, I don't think you know Bob Melvin has tried to be as um well, first off, as patient as possible, uh has <laughs> pointed out very rightly some things that Trent Grisham has done well, but there just haven't been near enough of them and the move had to be made. And so because of that and that Azokar's responded, I think the answer is that Azokar, Azokar, pardon me, Azokar will continue to play. And what did we see from Soto over the weekend? Uh, does that lead anybody to believe that we're about to see the real Juan Soto or is it, or is it just you never have any idea what's going to happen, which is sort of my thinking about all these guys is it's really hard to predict what's going to happen with any of them. Well, if I think that's you and I's problem is we kind of understand that that's reality, right? Um, but but then if, if anyone doubted it, then what's happened with Juan Soto with the Padres should have taught you that anything can happen, right? Right. Like, 
Wow, that's a career worst by far stretch of games. I think it reached 15 games or whatever, where he was three for 48 or something. Um, he certainly was hitting the ball harder. He was hitting the ball everywhere. Um, I think don't don't uh, read too much into when but when he strikes out looking. It's not like when Trent Grisham strikes out looking. Right. It's not passivity. This is, I mean, if you've got a 415 on base percentage, go ahead and strike out looking every once in a while. Look at the people <laughs> around Trent Grisham. The problem just isn't that Trent Grisham leads the league in looking strikeouts. It's his batting average is 189. If you look at the guys around him, they all have high, not all, many of them have high on-base percentages. That's a trait of having a high on-base percentages. Every right, once in a while, right. you're going to take one. So, But other than that, Grant, he's not, he didn't roll over on pitches. If he hit it over to the right side, it was hard. Um, and, and so this was a, what we saw in three games was a different Juan Soto. I do not know if that means we've seen a different, or we're going to see. It's not even like with Manny Machado. You watch him now for four seasons, you go, oh, okay, Manny's locked in. I haven't been watching Juan Soto. I don't know what yeah. locked in Juan Soto looks like. He was blowing my mind for the first two weeks here because even though he was only kind of average in terms of like the production numbers, the way that he was attacking at bats and getting on base at a 450 clip, I was like, Push. Um, so right. I, I don't know. That's why I've always said I look forward to watching Juan Soto over the course of a season. But all the things that you saw the past three games, very, very, very encouraging. And I don't know. I, I have not looked at Soto's splits uh, even for his career to know how much difference it makes righty lefty we'll be seeing three right-handers uh from the cardinals uh with uh michaelis and flaherty to follow wainwright tonight i i don't know what the i i guess i probably should have looked at that at some point you know what's funny is either of i but i'm thinking i don't think you get to like 289 415 you know 400 (laughs) like i don't think you get there if your splits are that drastic right Right. You know, so, and I don't think you're batting second all the time if your splits are that drastic. And yeah. so uh, it never even occurred to me to, to really look because, eh, you know. No, it's like looking with Machado. I mean, it's just you, there's certain guys you just don't you, you don't pay attention to because you just figure. I mean, even if it's a 20 or 30 point difference, it's not a big, you know, they're going to have plenty of moments against the uh and probably the or whatever. Yeah. So what we're um, going to see tonight is, and it starts right in the first inning. You're going to see with the Cardinals, uh, Goldschmidt or Arenado Goldschmidt, what we thought we were going to see, and we have seen only in flashes with Soto Machado. Right? It's like, wow. Right. How do these teams ever not score in the first inning? How do these teams, you know, ever not win? Uh, because there's you got how how do you pitch to these guys? Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. These are for real playoff games, you know, playoff type games coming up. Right. I just noticed that Goldschmidt didn't play on Sunday, but he did play on Saturday. So that was probably just a scheduled day off going into another day off. Um, the last game where they both played, they they had um, um, they had Donovan, Brendan Donovan, the third baseman, actually batting leadoff um, and uh, and then Edmund hitting second. With Goldschmidt three and Arenado four. Okay, that's right. You know what? That sounds familiar to when the Padres were in St. Louis. So I apologize for that. That's that is what. And then Corey Dickerson. Corey Dickerson was actually hitting uh, was hitting fifth, but Pujols didn't start that game. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But anyway, three three good ones with the Cardinals coming up, and then you get to be on a plane one more time during the regular season off to uh, off to Denver. Who doesn't love three more games at Coors Field? I'll tell you. Knowing though, like last like last weekend in Phoenix, that trip won't have to be made next year when you're down to two for both of those cities. And there were plenty of people on the Padres just sort of, you know, 
not lamenting that, let's say, but no, you know, <laughs> when we're standing in Arizona and it's just such a dingy, stale place, right? Uh, and and then uh, going to Colorado, no one is upset that those two cities will have one trip lopped off next year. Of course, it does mean going to who knows where it ends up, where it means going to. But I guess if if you haven't done it all the time, it's probably it's probably something fresh. And I'm sure it's something that they and, and certainly you will uh, will will look forward. To. Well, there is something to be uh, said to uh, like next year to talk about. And guys have already you know, they're kind of focused on something else. But, you know, they acknowledge yeah. that's going to be a rough schedule next year. There's a lot yeah. of travel in, in that, a lot of time zone changes. But to not to uh, play three or four um, fewer games in Colorado and Arizona is a uh, right now on paper is something they're willing to trade. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Longer trips, but, uh, but actually maybe not. Cause I mean, you're going to sub in AL West cities where you're going to have probably either Anaheim or Oakland and uh, uh, you know, Texas and Houston aren't that much farther. So anyway, I actually heard though, and I'll have to look into this, but I actually heard the Padres did take quite the hit next year in terms of like what the schedule would have been. You know, you take out the oh, trip okay. to San Francisco and all that. And and some of that is going to be based on how they're paired. You know, they don't go a, a, a lot of times. There's I looked at next year's schedule and just off the top of my head, what I remember is there's like two or three trips that don't involve central or eastern time zone. So it's not like there's a lot of pairing. Like you're not going to play. The, they play the White Sox and the Cubs next year. They don't play them anywhere near each other. They play right, the Yankees and right. the Mets. They don't play them anywhere near each other. That yeah. you know, there's um, what was one trip? Minnesota, LA. Uh, you know that that kind of thing. So whatever. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. None of that last minute and a half was complaining. Uh, yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, you can you can complain to your to your new yeah, sure. You got to bring it up like every time. <laughs> Kevin, I'll see you out at the ballpark uh, hopefully this week, and uh, we will talk to you on Friday morning one more time from Denver. Thanks, everybody.